So, what if, what have we we just sung? Let's look at those words again. Is it? Hallelujah. Right at the beginning, there must be more than this. That should be a conviction in all our hearts. There must be more than this. Is that what your heart is saying to you? There must be more than this. Consuming fire, fan into flame, a passion for your name, Spirit of God, fall in this place. Doesn't matter where the place is. Do you know, and we'll look at it in a minute, Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father which you've heard of me. They had expectation in their hearts. Hallelujah. You know, if you don't have expectation in your heart, you can never receive anything. Though there's a bus and you're waiting for it, you're expecting it to come. Half past three, I don't know what time it's arriving. It's the number 46 going to Shoreditch. Okay, I don't know if 46 go to Shoreditch, I've got no idea. But you're going to go off and walk around the park while you're waiting for the bus. And you start looking at the roses, the tulips, and then there's ducks in the pond. And, going, and you get carried away with it all. The bus has been and gone. Wait for the promise of the Father, Jesus said. We've got to have such an expectancy in our hearts, whether it's for the Holy Spirit or whatever, We've got to wait on God. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What, where are you waiting? In your heart, are you waiting for the next thing God's got for you? Are you waiting to hear his voice when you wake up in the morning? Are you waiting on God? Wait on the Lord. Otherwise, you'd be one like that person feeding the ducks you would have forgotten why you went to the bus stop because you're so caught up with other things this is the most crucial thing wait I say on the Lord I trust we're waiting in our hearts now upon the Lord Lord what Speak, Lord, for thy servant hears. Is that, the, is that the condition of your heart as we come in here now? Speak, Lord, for thy servant hears. Pentecost, big subject, wow. The whole of the New Testament, including the Gospels, it's all about one thing. And you might say, well, it's all about Jesus. I'm going to f afraid I'm going to disagree with you there. It's all about the Holy Spirit. And I want to say you can't know Jesus if you don't receive the Holy Spirit. See, in the beginning, we, we look at it now. Let me just t say this to you, first of all. In the Bible, the word spirit is mentioned 505 times. That's quite important, isn't it? 505 times. Well, listen to this. In the New Testament, the word spirit is mentioned 385 times. So if you're quick at arithmetic, unlike me, you will know straight away that it's the New Testament where the Spirit is mentioned far more times than in the Old. And you will also know, I don't know why I bother making any notes, you will also know, if you read your Gospels, only once in the Gospels,
does it say the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world? You'll find that in John's Gospel. Every Gospel, without exception, all four, talks about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I baptize you with water, but he that comes after me is mightier than I. He was before me, John says. He existed before I existed. I'm not worthy to bend down and to undo his sandals. He, and this is the emphasis in the New Testament, he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And of course, he said more than that. But that's mentioned in every gospel, so it must be important, mustn't it? And yet, somehow, and I'm not being critical, though maybe I am, but I hope it's in the right spirit, it's been lost in the preaching of the gospel. We hear so much about the Lord Jesus, and we should, but Jesus himself said, wait. Sorry about the creaky floor. It is the floor, it's not me knees. <laughs> and you know, the spirits of God. All the, the writings of the Old Testament were spirit-breathed. All the prophecies, all spirit-breathed. You see how important the spirit is? I know the Word was in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God, in the beginning with God. But right back in Genesis, you don't need to turn to it, but you can if you want to. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, is it? Well, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And then what does it say in verse 2? And the Spirit of God, so there, Straight away, at the very beginning of, of our inspired writings, we have the Spirit of God right there. And yet he's overlooked so often. You know, I, I've heard people say this, oh, you shouldn't emphasize the Holy Spirit because you're taken away from Jesus Christ. What a load of baloney. People who believe that, you shouldn't emphasize the Holy Spirit because you're taken away from Jesus Christ. No, you're not. Jesus died on Calvary that we might receive the Holy Spirit. He went through everything. He went to his suffering, his whole life, that we might receive the Holy Spirit. When he is come, I'm going to send him from the Father. I've got to go. What does he say? Not turning to the scripture, am I? Don't need to. I hope you know your Bible. But if not, you can look it up in John's Gospel. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. He says, If it's expedient for you that I go away, it's necessary for you. It's for your benefit that I go away. For if I go not away, he didn't say that, did he? He said, if I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit. But if I go not away, he can't come. So Jesus had to go through Calvary, through death, be resurrected, go back to the Father. Because Jesus' heart was he wants to get inside his disciples. He says, Spirit is with you. But on that day, he shall be in you. It's God's desire since the beginning of time. That's why he created man, that he might be in his creation, in his people, in Adam. He wanted to be in Adam. He wanted to live inside Adam and have fellowship with Adam. And God has not changed his plan because foolishly, Adam and Eve did. God's not changed his plan. 
God's not changed his mind. He still wants to come and live inside us. He still wants to have fellowship with, it, with us. And when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, so that we might know him. Do you know him? Or do you know about him? This is the big difference, isn't there? You know, it's, someone once said uh, about knowing the Bible of God and knowing the God of the Bible. So we can know this book. And I've said this many times, and I'll probably say it again. I know people who know this book inside out, but they don't know God. And I'm not talking to any, about anyone in particular. I studied in university for, I don't know, 10 years, I think, one, one way or another or researched not that I wanted to go to university God sent me there and I was under men of the cloth reverend this reverend that they knew Hebrew they taught me Hebrew they taught me Greek they taught me the Old Testament they taught me the New Testament but if you were to ask them do you know God Nope. This is the thing. Because God is a spirit. He's not a book. I don't know if I'm going to move this thing. He's not a book. I want to tell you something absolutely shocking. It comes to my mind. I'm just speaking as it comes to my mind. I was with a group of brethren, Christians, who went away for a weekend. I wasn't part of this group. But they asked me, would you come and would you speak? I said, yeah, I'll speak anywhere. Never get, I'll never say no. So we went to this weekend away. Round Chepstow, I think it was, somewhere like that, wasn't it? And um, this one brother got up to speak. It wasn't just me speaking, there were several people speaking. And this one brother got up to speak. And I could not believe my ears what he said. And I was so grieved. And this is what he said. And this is how, this is how foolish people can become without the Holy Spirit. He said, this book is Jesus Christ. I'm not joking. This book, because this is the word of God. So this book is actually Jesus Christ. He actually said that. That might shock you. Soon parted company actually believe that I could stand here now I could rip this book up I could take this book and I could rip every I'm not going to in case you think I am I could rip every page out of it and I could burn the whole lot of it does that change God in any way? you could burn every Bible in the world and people have tried to the Catholics had a go and others burning the Bible Mind some Bibles you should burn, and I might join you in doing that. In fact, have you ever heard of the Schofield Bible? No? Probably a good job. You have. They were starting, no, it must have been way back. They started printing them, I don't know, Oxford University, University Press started printing them somewhere around whenever it was. 1910, I think it was, in my recollection. serves me correctly. And they started introducing them that some of the churches and there was a group of Pentecostals who took took copies of it and burnt it because said this is heresy and it is heresy it's known as dispensationalism it comes from a man called J.N. Darby but that's another thing now I'm quite happy burning one of those <laughs> because it's heresy and it's all filled with heresy all down the sides but it wouldn't make any difference if you didn't have a Bible. If you know God, did you know that? Who teaches you? Who's your teacher? If you've got the Holy Ghost, he's your teacher. Isn't he? Yeah. So if you were put on a desert island, how would you manage without your Bible? You need to think about these things. How would you manage without your Bible? How did Jesus manage without the Bible? Did he carry a Bible around with him everywhere? 
supposed to be talking about Pentecost, aren't we? But we're not, are we? There we go. Jesus didn't carry a Bible. Didn't carry his great big scrolls. Really? On his back, you know. He had God in him. And that's what God wants for you and me. That he should be in us. And be our teacher. So no matter what happens, you can be in prison in China like thousands are today or in North Korea. And I hope you pray for these people. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, shut up in these places. Afghanistan, we actually know people in Afghanistan. Know of them. They might not have a Bible. They certainly won't have any if they're in the Korean prisons. How would they manage? Is it when well, we remember this bit in the revival? Remember, I'm telling you now that God can speak the truth to you whether you've got a Bible or not because He's God. Isn't that wonderful? But coming back to our theme, if we can. So, the Spirit was around in the beginning. Of course, because He's God. He was before heaven and earth, wasn't he? He was there in eternity. Just a couple of, uh, of things that you know what spirit means? Another alternative word for spirit? I mean, we say spirit, don't we? We say spirit. Because you have turpentine, don't you? A white spirit. It's not talking about that, is it? You know in the Old Testament the word for spirit is a very simple word ruach 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 and it means the same as it means in Greek in pneuma so when you get the word pneumatic that means it's driven by air okay pneumatic yeah. you see make a terrible noise on the side of the road don't they yeah. think, shut up I'm trying to sleep I'm on shift work <laughs> pneumatic so it actually means breath or wind. I'm going to come on to this in a minute. The wind. It's the breath of God. We sung it. What did we sing, Beth? Breath of God, come breathe within me. You see? That's what God wants to do. That's why he made you. That's why he made me. That's where he made man and woman. Made them male and female. That's always been God's intention, intention to come and breathe within us. And what did he do with Adam? Hmm? Did he breathe on his head? Did he breathe on his back? He breathed in his nostrils. And he became a living soul before that he wasn't dead he was never alive trouble with mankind is they're dead in trespasses and sin as far as God is concerned we're dead in trespasses and sin until we receive the Holy Spirit wouldn't go down very well what I'm saying in some circles we're dead until we receive the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of God has got to breathe his life into us. It's common sense, isn't it? If he had to breathe his life into Adam before he was alive, surely he's got to breathe his life into you and me before we're alive. Spiritually alive, of course, of which I speak. And you know... When Adam and Eve sinned, the Lord came in the garden in the cool of the day and he said, Adam! He didn't call Eve, I'm sorry about that ladies. Adam! <laughs> He's not a sexist by the way. Adam, where are you? I can't, I can't imagine how God must have felt when Adam wasn't there. 
This, this, is the, this is the creature he created to put his, his own life in. He'd already breathed into his nostrils. He'd become a living soul. But God had something else for him. He wanted him to take of the tree of life and live forever. Adam, where are you? You heard of Don Francisco? Have you heard of Don Francisco? No? You have. He wrote a lovely song, and if you get opportunity to listen to it, listen to it. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Can you imagine God looking for Adam and he's not there? You know that the lady went, took a little boy to the supermarket and she turned her back and he was gone. You understand? You hearing me? He was gone, or she was gone, little child. Stephanie, where are you? Stephanie, where are you? With a panic in her heart. God didn't panic, I'm not saying that. Lost her daughter. Where are you? So imagine how God felt. And then he realized he'd lost him to sin. But God didn't stop. God didn't stop. And God won't stop until he's living inside you living inside me. That's why his son went to Calvary, as I've said and I will say. That's why Jesus went through everything. So God might live in you. God might live in me and we might have fellowship with God. So he's not saying, Alex, where are you? Alex, where are you? Mary, where are you? Hallelujah. Well, he rectified it, didn't he? He did something about it. He didn't sit up in heaven twiddling his thumbs, worrying about it. He did something about it. And you raised up Abraham. And you raised up Jacob, Isaac, and Moses, etc. And from that lineage came a man called Jesus Christ. God was calling down through the ages. Adam, where are you? And Jesus answered, said, here I am. Do you know, this is a new man. This is replacing Adam. And he wants to come and live in you. And there's another subject about the new man the new creation, Christ in you, etc., etc. So he sent his only begotten son. He's the remedy. He's the re redeemer, remedy for sin. He's the only remedy for sin. There's no other remedy. No psychologist, psychiatrist can't help you because the problem with the human race is sin. S-I-N. And right in the middle there's a big I. That's the problem. Me and you. Not the devil. I. But Jesus said, I am. So many themes could be picked up here in these truths. So, let's get on. Because it's going to be nine o'clock, isn't it? Acts chapter 1. I think we need to go there, don't you? Acts chapter 1. 
and verse 1. Okay, so, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, after his death, resurrection, by many infallible proofs. So if anyone wants proof that Jesus was alive, risen from the dead, there was many infallible proofs. Proofs. Being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So there you are, forty days. He had risen from the dead forty days. He was with the disciples on earth. Forty. I wonder what they did in that time. Eh? Did they go for a picnic? I don't know, did they sit by the Sea of Galilee? Did they go for a ride in the boat? I don't know, but he was with them for 40 days. 40 is a very important number in Scripture, if you haven't gathered already. But he was speaking to them concerning the kingdom of God. Praise God for his kingdom. And being assembled together with them, commanded them. See, we must understand... It's not a thing to be taken lightly when John the Baptist said uh, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Jesus commanded them to remain there. It's so important. You stay there until the promise of the Father. Don't go wandering around the park. You got it? He commanded them not to depart. So don't depart down the road where it says a certain teaching by a certain man, by a certain group of people, by this, by that, or the other, or a book you read or something, and you think, well, I'm going to go down this road. I'm not going to wait till I receive the Holy Spirit. I'm going to look at this teaching. I'm going to lis listen to this man. I'm going to do that. No, he says, wait. He commanded them, do not depart. Don't go listening to so-and-so. Don't go to that meeting over there. Don't depart. How many people have departed before they received the Holy Ghost? And they never received the Holy Ghost. Because they departed from the truth. This is the truth. Don't depart. But remain. Wherever your Jerusalem is, the place where you are, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard of me, and here we go, for John truly baptized with water, but you, and that word there, you, is emphatic. It's emphasized in the Greek, but you, forget about that, forget about John's baptism, you shall be baptized with, or in, more literally, you might have, in Holy Spirit, the word the, the is not there. You shall be baptized in Holy Spirit, not many days hence. Wherefore, when they came together, they started talking about departing into something else that Jesus didn't say anything about. See, their minds were working in the wrong direction. Will you do this now? Will you do that? He had to bring them back on board. He said, it's none of your business. I'm not talking to you about that. That's irrelevant. What I'm talking to you about, you shall receive power. Dynamite. Dynam dynamis. Dynamite. Eh? Do you want power? Do you want power over sin? This is the power over sin. This is the power over the devil. This is, a, oh, this is power over distractions to lead you away from the will of God. 
you shall receive power after that and the word after that what does it say in the uh, new the new one <laughs> when does it say when when, when. right yeah when the Holy Spirit is come upon you and you shall be see you want to be a witness for Jesus you can't be unless you receive the Holy Spirit you shall be witnesses of me not of a teaching not of a Baptistism not of Pentecostalism not of Methodist-ism, of this ism. Of you be witnesses to me, to me, to me, to me. In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and the cloud received him out of their sight. So you know they stayed in Jerusalem and in chapter 2 and verse 1 see these scriptures are so familiar the problem with scriptures being so familiar they breed contempt. I know this. I've known this for years. You don't need me to tell you. I don't need to read that. Be careful. Be very careful. That's why we should read our Bible over and over and over and over and over again. Because there's truth in there you've never seen before. I don't care, you could be living a million years. Still won't know all the truth that's written in this book. Because it's God-inspired. It comes from a different place than the earth, from logic doesn't come from logic come from the Spirit of God and when the day of Pentecost and I've said about this before Pentecost means 50 it's all to, to do in relation with the feasts now I want to say this as well we'll get to our scripture in a minute but just so we understand the Old Testament was types and figures of the true. Read it in the book of Hebrews. They were types and figures of the true. But we've got the true. That wasn't the truth. That was a type of the truth. The truth has always existed. But the Old Testament had to catch up with it by showing us so we understand types and pictures of the tabernacle of the sacrifices they they really happened but they were only types and pictures of the true because when Moses was on the mountain God showed him the pattern though that exists already so they built the tabernacle according to the pattern that God showed Moses on the mountain but it already existed and what God brings us into in the New Covenant, he brings us into the reality. Not into the types. But there's people still living in the types. Oh, we've got to, we've got to meet together on a Saturday. A load of baloney. We've got to follow the law. That's a lie. God writes his law in, in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. So what we've been brought into, what the disciples were brought into on the day of Pentecost was reality. Because you are not living in reality if you've never received the Holy Ghost. Because you can't. Because it's not reality. Even if you're living in the types and the patterns and the pictures. It's not reality. It's only a picture. 
But he, God wants to bring us into reality. And the only way he can do that is baptizing us in the Holy Spirit. They were all together. It's good to be together, isn't it? Why were they together? Because Jesus told them to. Not because they thought it was a good idea. Let's have a prayer meeting, shall we? Did God tell you to have a prayer meeting? You think, oh, that's obvious, silly thing to say. Of course you have a prayer meeting. Well, not, oh, necessarily. They're all together, and they were with one accord. Why were they with one accord? Because they were expecting. He said, wait for the promise of the Father. So they would... In one accord. We're, we're only here because we're waiting for the promise of the... We're not here for any other reason. We're not here to listen to Peter speak. We're not here for that. We're here because we're waiting for the promise of the Father. They were all of one accord. And when you obey God... And when you're of one accord in one place, God will send the Holy Ghost. And suddenly, see God, I like that word, I don't know about you, didn't come gradually, oh I, I've been a Christian now since, when was it? Oh yeah, when was it? Oh yeah, I remember now, someone preached, oh yeah, and I went along to this meeting, and, and then that happened, no, 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 no. Suddenly, I was brought up a Christian. No, I wasn't. I was in a Christian home, yeah, and this, that, and the other. And, yeah. Always been a Christian, yeah. My, my, my dad, always been a Christian. That's a lie. Suddenly, and if you don't have a sudden experience, you've never received the Holy Ghost. Suddenly, it's his breath coming. It's a wind, isn't it? A mighty wind. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. Can only come from heaven. This is God coming down. He's come to take his first fruits. The first fruits. Do you understand? If you read your Bible, you know that they offered first fruits. That was a type. Now God has come on the day of Pentecost. To, you read, read your Old Testament and it all become clear. He's coming now to take the first fruits. And these were the first fruits. The 120 disciples were the first fruits. There's been many more since then. In fact, the next day there was 3,000 and then there was 5,000 and so they're added and so they're added and they're being added now. But you can't be added to the church of Jesus Christ unless you receive the Holy Ghost. I don't care what you say because you won't find that in this book. You won't. And sometimes we've got to let God speak to us through this book and Undo all the things we've been taught by men until we come to a place and we say, Lord, I've been taught error. I thought I was a Christian because I was baptised in water. Where do you find that in the Bible? Never. And we'll look at that in a minute. There came a rushing. Well, God's in a hurry now, isn't he? God's in a hurry now because Jesus had gone back to glory. No waiting any longer. Hooray, I've got it now. I've got the first fruits. Jesus has accomplished all he did. He's gone back. He's been glorified and he received from the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, if you prefer. This was a mighty wind. You ever been in a hurricane? A tornado? We, Trisha and I have. 
My house nearly went over. People were killed. Hmm. This is on the Isle of Lewis many years ago. We were, we were living for a while. Wow. It's a terrifying thing. You can't walk down the street because you're gone. The wind was so strong, people couldn't go out their houses. Even cars got blown into the sea. It's a mighty wind. See, this isn't a little tickle under your chin. It's a little pat on the back. This is mighty! Mighty, mighty! A mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. It filled all. And that's what God's come to do, to fill. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each one of them and they were all what? filled have you been filled? I tell you something have you ever got a jar empty jar and put water in it when is it full? when is it full? when you can't get any more in When you can't get any more in, then it's full. And it's not full until then. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues, according as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I don't believe, and I'll just make this absolutely clear, I don't believe in initial evidence, if you know what I mean by that. I know I didn't speak with tongues and I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, but I know I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. You couldn't have told me anything else. So that's a load of baloney. It's error. It's folly. It's not true. But one thing is true. You're full. And you know when you're full. And you know when you're not. So, wow, what's the time? Oh, it's up there. Half past four. Can I go on a bit more? Four and of course, well, I won't read all of it, but you know that they're dwelling in Jerusalem with all these, these Jews, right? From devout men from all over the place, from every nation under heaven as we read. And it goes on to describe where they came from, who they were, etc., 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 for time's sake, um, and Peter says, uh, well, let's start verse 14, but Peter, now, this is the man who wanted to, this is the man who denied Jesus Christ three times. Same man, but now he's standing up. One thing the baptism and the Holy Ghost will do for a person is make them stand up on their own two legs. Standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice, as Peter's voice, and said to them, You men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you. Can you say that? Can you say that to people? Be this known unto you. It says, hearken to my words. These men are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is the third hour of the day, but this, this is that. This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel and it shall come to pass see all God's promises come to pass every promise of God comes to pass it shall come to pass in the last days God says I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. 
That's one sign that you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Sons and daughters, ah, not just men, not just women, not just Philip's three daughters prophesying. They shall prophesy, and so shall you. That's a promise. They shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. He won't go there. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out of my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. He says that twice. They shall prophesy. There's a double promise now, isn't it? They shall prophesy. And the spirit of prophecy is a testament, not in this, is the book of Revelation. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. What did we read? You shall be witnesses. You shall, be my, you shall testify. That's what the word means. You shall testify. Witness, testify. Of me. The spirit. Chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you cannot, as he said, you, you will be witnesses testifying to me. You can't testify to Jesus Christ. You can't do it. You might open your mouth, but you can't, you cannot testify to Jesus because it's the spirit of prophecy. And the spirit of prophecy always accomplishes that to which it is sent. Because it's God's word. The spirit of prophecy. You shall prophesy. They shall all prophesy. Do you understand? The, the proof that you've got the Holy Ghost. That you have in you a, a prophetic word. And I'm not saying you should suddenly start prophesying over everyone. That's not right. But it'll be, it'll be the creative word of God. And I'm not talking about the word of faith nonsense. It'll do something in those people that are here. That makes you a witness. Only if you've got the Holy Spirit. That's the way people hear the word of God. Romans chapter 10. Good to know your Bible, isn't it? Romans chapter 10, have you read it? The word, the faith, is nigh you, in your heart, and in your mouth. He said, this is the word which we preach. Paul said, see, this word that we preach brings faith to people's hearts. That's why, if it's not of God, you won't have any faith coming your way. It's a good word, wasn't it? But it didn't do anything for me. Clever man, isn't he? Didn't change my life. Didn't impact me. Didn't make me think, oh dear, I need to do something about this. Because God's spoken to me. And it is God speaking. You think, no, it's a man. No, it's God. It's the spirit of prophecy. It's the spirit of Jesus Christ. It's, he's the word of God. He's the living word of God. They shall prophesy. There will be signs in heaven above and earth below. And of course these are signs. Don't take these things literally. This but then it comes right down to here, doesn't it? See, this is the notable day of the Lord. This is a prophecy concerning the notable day of the Lord. So what's the notable day of the Lord? The notable day of the Lord is the, when the Holy Spirit came. That's the thing to take notice of. This is the notable day of the Lord. And then it's got this, this wonderful thing. And it shall come to pass. Whosoever. Now this is a promise from the Old Testament by the prophet Joel whosoever are you a whosoever whosoever calls have you called 
I've mentioned this many times here. Have you called? Because that's the key. Always the key. Every time. Have you called? Have you opened your heart and opened your mouth? And have you called? On the name of the Lord. And who's the Lord? Jesus. Wouldn't it be lovely now, in this room, wouldn't it be, how do you think God would feel now? He sent his son, he hung on the cross, bore your sin, he bore my sin, he suffered there, he took on him the wrath of God, and he died, gave up the ghost, was buried in a tomb, trusting God to raise him from the dead, and he did, and now he's ascended up into heaven for one reason only, that you should call on the name of the Lord. He went through all that for you, for me. You should call, I should have been an evangelist, I suppose I am really, preach, uh, sorry, should call on the name of the Lord and should be saved whosoever and then he goes on and goes on and goes on and I hadn't made one or two notes but I think I'm going to very quickly uh, maybe I'll stop there I think I've said enough really haven't I that's the reason for Pentecost you should call on the name of the Lord and be saved And if you're not saved, well, you've never called on the name of the Lord. It's a promise. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't matter who you are, what your name, where you come from, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're born in Ireland, born in Wales, born in Scotland, born in England. Or born in Ghana. Is that right? Kenya. 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 I get my African countries mixed up. It doesn't matter. Whosoever. Are you a whosoever? Listen. God sent his only begotten son. Whosoever. You've got no excuse. 